0: Welcome back to Dial H for Hero Clicks. This is episode 217. I'm your host, Chris Britton, and let's go. m m mice Dialage for HeroClix is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day, including all of the latest HeroClix singles and sealed products. So check them out at CoolStuffInc.com. Joining me in the studio for like the twentieth time tonight is <laughs> my sexy ranch and <laughs> co-host Calder. Ness. Oh. What's going on, Calder?
1: Howdy, howdy! Let's get rowdy.
0: Man, we are just not having Jeez. a great night as far as <laughs> no. trying to record this podcast, but we're gonna get through it. Don't worry. Good, positive vibes. And to speak of those positive vibes, we normally start off each episode by what made us happy this week. Connor, what made you happy?
1: (laughs) So, on August 2nd, uh, last Thursday, I got to volunteer at Dairy Queen for their Miracle Treat Day thing. It happened all across the U.S. They give a dollar from every blizzard to a Miracle Children's Hospital Fund thing. And I dressed up as Captain America... And I said I, and I took pictures of people, and I sweat to death in 100-degree weather standing outside in a leather suit. It was great. I loved it. It was seriously fun. I make it sound not fun, but it was seriously great.
0: <laughs> At least you did something useful for our society. <laughs> At least
1: I did. At least I did.
0: All right. Uh, Anything else?
1: You know, yeah, I realized today is August 5th, which means it is one year since I first came on the podcast. Oh, I'm wow. I'm about that.
0: I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't planning for this. I think
1: I had one of these. Yeah, here we go. Yay, Calder! Yay. Woo-hoo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been a quick year, man.
1: It has. It really it's been has. Been a really time really flies. Really quick
0: year. All right. Well, um. So what made me happy this week uh, is Gen Con, was here All right. in the Indianapolis area. And I actually did not go until today on Sunday, the very last day of Gen Con. And the reason why is because we were planning on going, Jaylene and I were planning on going on Saturday, only to find out that we were way too late to actually buying tickets to Gen Con, so they were all sold out. So huh. I went to buy tickets for Sunday to find out that they were all sold out. So here's how I got into Gen Con today. Uh, I drove downtown and parked a ways away from Gen Con and then just started walking with Jaylene towards Gen Con. And about two and a half hours or so before the doors closed and they were kicking everybody out, I just started going. It was the first person that I asked, walking the opposite direction as me. I was like, hey, uh, are you done with your badges for Gen Con? And he's like, yeah, I was like, can I buy them from you? And he's like, you can just have them. And we got two Gen Con <laughs> badges. Talking. Wow. I was like, well, I mean, here's a tin. Go buy yourself a beer or something. Thanks, man. So we got his badges. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Made it into Gen Con, finally. Um, and I did not get to play any Heroclix or anything at Gen Con. Uh, I, for some reason, I, I really was not up for it this year. <laughs> I, I got a lot of my hero clicks playing that I wanted to do at a con out of the way at Origins. So I'm glad we went to Origins together. And nice. If this is your first episode of Dial H for Hero clicks, go back and listen to that episode. I think the, uh, the name of the episode was The Origins of the Underpogs.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah baby.
0: That was definitely not <laughs> a salty episode for my sake. No, point. not at all. <laughs> but I'm glad we did that. We got that out of the way. Um, and we just walked around the hall like we normally do. Uh, it was, it was fun to see all the cool things that you see at normal cons, and we walked away with one and only one purchase at Gen Con, and that was, uh, Jaylene collects these plushy Eevee evolution.
1: As soon as you said it, I knew it, I knew. You knew what? As soon as you said, we walked away with one purchase, I was like, it's gonna be that, that stupid Pokemon or whatever. <laughs> I knew it.
0: So, there's this brand called, like, I Heart Eevee or something, and... I'm trying to like get all of them for her. so she. <laughs> How many are
1: there, Chris? There's
0: like eight total, I think. Okay. There's eight, and now we have three of them. Anyway, we got the, the one that we could find today, and we walked away, and she was happy. And then as we're walking out, and she's like, wow, that was Gen Con on a budget, huh? <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> I was like, I told you I'd wow. get you in. I didn't say we'd get to spend forever. We got to walk around the floor for about two hours, so... Uh, The little amount of money that I spent to get into Gen Con was worth the two hours that I got to walk around Gen Con. Um, I got to see the WizKids booth, which I I just stopped in only to see if there was anything on display that we didn't see at Origins. There was not at the Gen Con booth. Um, In fact, I didn't see any Heroclix that were actually on display, so it was kind of weird, but... there wasn't really a lot going on. Here's what I did notice. Our wonderful sponsors at Cool Stuff, Inc. had, like, some major real estate going on at Gen Con this year. It was by far the largest I have ever seen Cool Stuff, Inc. booth. It was insanely large. And then I walked into another room, and I found uh, their competitor, Troll and Toad, and I was like, huh, Man, you guys got shafted this year too, didn't you? <laughs> it was so small compared to uh, cool stuff. I was like, I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure it's directly due to Dial H for Hero Clicks. Uh, obviously. Yeah, yes, it's got to be us. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was what made me happy this week. I do want to talk about something that made me extremely frustrated this week. Uh, have you ever heard of an anime called Attack on Titan?
1: Here we go. Yes. Yes, I have.
0: Have you watched
1: it? I have not. Don't watch it. (laughs) All right.
0: So this this is totally my fault. This is my fault. Jaylene and I were looking for something to watch together. And I was like, hey, do you want to try to watch another anime together? And she's like, yeah. So I was like, hey, Attack on Titan. I have heard good things about this. Let's start watching this show. I click play and we start watching it. And I find out real quick, the entire show is basically nothing but screaming, okay? Like, all the characters are screaming constantly at the top of their lungs. And I cannot figure out why. Now, the storyline itself is actually pretty good. But I cannot take the amount of just constant screaming. Anyway, I gave up on it entirely. She is watching it on her own. I was like, this is all you. I cannot take this. And everything's so dramatic. Like, there's... (laughs) There's this part where he drops a spoon into a bowl and, like, it has to be in slow motion and then the spoon hits the soup or whatever it is and it splashes up and it's in slow motion. There's dramatic effects and everything is dramatic for the sake of being dramatic. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. If I wanted to watch this, I'd watch Jerry Springer.
1: So, Attack on Titan has one of the most devoted fan bases I've ever seen of almost any anime show, like, at all. Yeah. Uh... Hopefully we didn't make anybody mad, except for maybe, like, two people. I can't imagine there are a ton. If you want to watch a really good anime, Chris, I can recommend to you. It's on Hulu, and it is dubbed for those English-speaking or English-wanting-to-hear people, not wanting to have to read the entire time. Is My Hero Academia. is an amazing show. Like, that's probably one of the best anime I've seen in a long time. Okay. And, and was- I have to agree with you on the Attack on Titan thing.
0: What, did they just scream?
1: That they scream a lot and it's kind of uninteresting. Like I actually watched like a little bit, so I didn't, I didn't go for it.
0: All right, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a little, a little disappointing. But I, I will take your recommendation in and we can go from there. I'm not against anime by any means, just apparently that one. But we are not here to crap on Attack on Titan. Not entirely. A little no? bit. No. I are mean, sure? we were set up as a HeroClix podcast that hates Attack on Titan, but obviously. We here at Dial we like to bring you uh, up-to-date information about the game of HeroClix and other nerd-related content. So let's jump into the news section. Alright, we got some trailers, we got some news. As always, in the podcast show notes, you can get the links to everything that we are going to be talking about. Let's start off this week with the Venom trailer that we got. It's Venom trailer number two. Showed us an amazing amount of riot CGI stuff going on. As well as full body Venom, Eddie Brock Venom, and a lot of good stuff. I'm extremely hyped for this movie. I thought, well, here's what I'm really thinking. Because whoever the director was, when... The movie information was first coming out. He was like, so this movie is going to be an Eddie Brock movie. It's not a Venom movie, so don't expect to see the symbiote the whole movie. I was like, okay, so it's, you know, mostly about Eddie Brock. But the trailer makes it look like there's a lot of actual Venom going on. So either he was, like, selling himself a little short so we could be excited about the parts that we do get, or... Uh, They only showed us the Venom stuff in the trailers. Uh, Regardless, I'm still really excited. It looks really good. And if there's anybody out there that maybe is not a big fan of the CGI that is in the trailer, understand that this is just a trailer and there's a lot of uh, post-production that occurs that to uh, kind of clean up a lot of CGI. It's happened in every single Marvel movie, pretty much, that has come out. They touch up stuff before they release it in the theaters. Uh, so take that information. But how do you feel? Oh, I'm
1: super excited for it. I love the way Venom looks. I mean, I don't have a problem with the CGI at all. Uh, Tom Hardy, and that, he's just kind of like, I'm Tom Hardy, I'm alive, I'm an actor, I'm going to be this guy, I guess. And then later be an alien or something. No, it looks really good. It does look entertaining, you know. Okay. I like it. I'm excited. I like October 5th. Is that when it's supposed to come out? I'll be there. I'll be uh, October 4th for near night. I mean, I'll be butts in the seats, man.
0: Right on. Uh, So, disclaimer, we are, and I think we previously mentioned this, we are having a bit of a technical, technical difficulty with our whole setup tonight. So if there's some weird stuff going on on Skype and it cuts out, that's what's going on. We don't know. we're trying to figure it out. So we're just gonna keep chucking along. bear with us. We appreciate you guys. Next thing on the list that I did want to talk about is uh, we got an article from cbr.com and it is titled, uh, let's see the 19 best New DC characters of the last decade, and one we wish never existed. Um, so you probably know at this point, I am not a huge DC fan, however, A lot of the characters that have been introduced in the comics in the last decade are or the ones that they chose for this. Include a lot of the ones that they invented for the TV shows, the Arrowverse and stuff like that. So there is a lot of stuff on this list that is from that. Some are directly from the comics, but if you are very much interested in DC, uh, you probably know about these. And if not, it's still a good read. But I did want to go down uh, the list real quick. And if there's anything that you want to talk about when we get to the bottom of the list, uh, because it's kind of interesting. Uh, We got Wally West, uh, Jessica Cruz, and Simon Baz, which are Green Lanterns. Uh, Duke Thomas, which is a character known as the Lark. It's like Batman's new Robin. Uh, We got the Court of Owls, which was from an amazing storyline called, I believe, the Court of Owls. Um, Luke Fox, which is the new Batwing that's lucas fox's son i believe there's an an evil atlantean that they introduced called corum wrath so one of these days we might get one of his hero clicks a new speedster called godspeed that is a villain a weird duo villain and villainess marionette and mime i believe uh gotham girl which is a one part of a duo gotham girl and gotham is his name Nailing it on the creativity there, <laughs> DC. Um, but they are like a crime-fighting duo that I I'm not really sure which city that
1: the they're in. The true hero Gotham deserves. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think they're in like Memphis, Tennessee or something like that with their name, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure.
1: Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jackson Hyde is uh, the new Aqua Lad. That's number 11 on the list. Caitlin Snow. We have Killer Frost. Now, this is uh, like the Arrowverse. I I don't know. It's like a weird amalgamation what they're turning Killer Frost into in the comics. Not really sure. A character called Volthoom, which is – he's spouted as the first Lantern. Um, So I haven't really read much into that. We got John Diggle. I really like John Diggle. Uh, A character called Sideways, which is being uh, touted as DC's version of Spider-Man. So, but instead of, like, spider powers, he has uh, dimension traveling powers.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, it's so, totally similar.
0: Well, I think it's more of, like, how it, his characterization. Who, who knows there? Uh, a character named Roundhouse that just looks weird. He's blue and red <laughs> goggles and stuff. I didn't even read that one. I just skipped it. And Miko Queen, which I guess is a half-sister of uh, Oliver Queen. And Ooh. she is, like, the new speedy kind of uh, new sidekick, and then stopped being the sidekick, ended up on the Teen Titans. So as you can see, as we went through these, like a lot of these have never been clicked. So I'm really kind of, hey, this might be a thing in the future if DC ever decides to make anything other than the same seven figures that they always make. Uh, Jonathan Samuel Kent is number four, which is Superman's son. It's the new Superboy. Uh, Mina Darwin, I think is how you pronounce it. Her name, and she is another speedster, and the number one on the list, and I know you're like, well, this should be number two. Well, it is number two, but the way they formatted this, number one is the one character that they wish that had not been made, but the number one character that they glad, they were glad was made was from the Flash universe or the Flash Aeroverse show, which is Harrison Wells. Harrison Wells is a fantastic character if you are living under a rock and haven't been watching the Flash TV show. Uh, he's yeah. really awesome. Um, and then the number one thing that wish never existed is a character called Telos and is very much tied into the Convergence storyline with Deimos. Uh, it, I don't know. I didn't read no it. No idea
1: who I, that guy is.
0: I don't think I want to read it when they're saying that like one of the characters that are integral in the storyline itself is a character that they wish never was made. So right. I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I think I might skip it. Skip. The last thing in the news that I have uh, before we get into some Heroclix news is going to be uh, the Cloak and Dagger series just had its season finale just the other day, and if you're a huge Cloak and Dagger fan or you've not tuned into the Hulu original series, Cloak and Dagger, you should really watch that. It's really cool, and is d- directly tied into the MCU. They do Uh, throw in a few hints here and there as well as the major villain of the show is going to be, well, not an individual character. It's really Roxxon the company is the major villain of the show, which is kind of cool and different instead of giving us a throwaway villain like they have been doing in a lot of the MCU. And Well, they didn't kill Roxxon because it's company. Like they've been killing like a lot of the MCU villains and is a major thing that people kind of complain about in the MCU. that They they kill off all of the bad guys. Well, they don't kill off the company. It's still there by the end of it. It just, things change, so uh, that's all I got on that. ROC News. Uh, I don't know why we have not been doing this recently, uh, but I think it's probably prudent to throw out what is coming up uh, during this week as far as across the country. As far as ROC News on the 12th we have a, Win a map event called, or uh, yeah, at Heroes Inc. Comics, which is the name of the venue, I believe, in McKee Rocks, Pennsylvania, as well as another one in Quest Comic Shop, which is in Carrollton, Georgia. Uh, that's all we've got going this week, and I think we're going to try to just keep updating stuff throughout uh, the episodes and let you guys know what's coming up that week at least a week in advance in case you didn't know if it's something in your neck of the woods that you might be able to make it to. Uh, I apologize for anything earlier this year that we probably should have mentioned, and you guys missed it, and that was that was us. That was us dropping the ball there. Uh, but that's all we got on that. Um, I don't know how this is going to work, if Skype is going to keep cutting out as far as the major discussion that we got in the community this week. And that is what this episode is mostly going to be, I believe, is a lot of community because of the community question and how it how it relates to the game uh, and the community. Not just the Dial H community, but the Hero Clicks community as a whole. Uh, so we may get into that. But I do want to uh, – we can at least get through the beginning of the month here at dial h we always do the heroic ranking up ceremony we have multiple heroes a couple of people that are actually getting their rank for the first time as well as some uh one at least one listener that is getting his official uh dial h for hero clicks uh title rank up so let's do this so we have two new members uh, two citizens That we have. Uh, The first citizen is going to be Mock Taskmaster. So, welcome to the Dial H community. And there you go, there's your title. Uh, as well as a uh, guy that's been on this podcast more than once, Mr. Clicks, is going to get his own title. He's also a citizen of the Dial H for Hero Clicks podcast. And we mentioned this before, but here's your official ranking up ceremony. That's going to be uh, the Ruffian. Little Plastic Superheroes moved up to superfan status on the podcast this week. So thank you guys. We appreciate Everything that you guys do for the podcast, um, it really helps us keep going, and uh, we love you guys. We really love you. Colton, you want to try to say something before it just... Uh, Should I?
1: I love you guys so much. You guys are great. Is that, is that working? Is anything <laughs> yeah. working?
0: No, that worked. I'm just, oh, okay. I'm, I'm waiting for it to just immediately cut out. stuff. So. We are giving away things on the podcast this month, during the month of August. Uh, every week, we are giving something away. Uh, this week was the giveaway of the token pack made by Enrageous, one of our wonderful listeners. And that's how he contributes to the community, is by making this wonderful stuff and helping us out. We did a random number generator for everyone that did give a comment on the community question this week. Uh, the random number generator said that Coach Step is going to be the winner of that. So congratulations, Coach Step, on your token pack. Um, Code word, Ligma. (laughs) Uh, There's, like, four people out there that got that. Uh, Go ahead and tweet uh, me directly on Twitter, uh, code word, Ligma, and uh, we'll get up with your contact details as far as we can get that sent to your house. Um, We are also giving away, let's see, next week is going to be – Justice League War Blu-ray, after that is X-Men First Class Blu-ray, and then followed by the Dark Knight on Blu-ray. So in order to win those, all you have to do is jump onto our community questions, post it on Facebook and Twitter, answer those questions, and you will be in the running for us to go ahead and send one of those to you. Um, We have another thing that we are pretty excited about, and that is going to be a Batman the Animated Series starter set. We're going to give that out. And we have an ongoing puzzle. Uh, The ongoing puzzle is a word puzzle, and we are giving out letters, three a week, every week, um, until we get all of the letters out there, and then you guys have to unscramble it and tell us what this phrase is. There are blanks, and it kind of gives you, yeah, I know, uh, ooh, Uh, there are blanks that you can fill in. It includes the spaces, so you guys know how to fill it in. Um, and then as long as you are a patron, a, her- a hero, and have your heroic title on the podcast, you will be eligible for that. And as long as you are the first person to give us what the correct uh, phrase is, given the letters that we keep giving you guys um, and your patron, then we will send you a Batman starter set. That is how you win that. Um, it's funny because I don't even have mine yet, but I'm, I'm trying to give one away, which is <laughs> – they keep selling out of them on uh, Cool Stuff. Either. That's
1: true, yeah. Uh,
0: which, as I kind of predicted, was going to happen.
1: This okay. new map tech, man. This new map tech. It's popular with the kids. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> we should start giving... St- we should give away the stuff that Cool Stuff has in abundance. Like, like Just getting a bunch of stuff that even Cool Stuff is, like can't sell exactly. Just like, Just send it to us. We'll just give it away. End up with, like, a bunch of random stuff.
1: Worth a shot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I really hope, I really hope that this works out. Uh, But let's get into some community. There are dozens of us. Dozens! As always, on Twitter and on Facebook, we post a Community Tuesdays question, which you are always more then welcome to get on there and answer. Um, This week's Community Tuesdays question was kind of a controversial question, honestly, because we got about a billion answers, and they're all over the place. And I think it's really something that we need to talk about because it's not... If you've tuned into Dialects before, you know that we've asked a lot of, like, creativity questions. Like, if you could make a figure, what would this figure be? This is not a creativity question. This is a pretty much... Asking you how the stance of the game is based off of how much you pay into the community, pay pay into the product. So the question is, do you believe Heroclix is pay to win? If so, does the fault for that lie with WizKids or on the players? And how do we confront this problem? So, I'm hesitant to ask what your opinion is on this. Not not because i want to give your opinion. I'm just scared that... Uh, that Skype is not going to work at yeah. all, but go oh. ahead and, and try.
1: So obviously you have to pay to get any Hero Clicks of any kind, whether it's like a booster or a starter set or whatever, but we're mostly talking about what it costs to play Hero Clicks competitively or at least not to totally get ruff, ruffle stomped whenever you want to actually play a tournament. And basically it lies with whether or not we think that the best pieces are chases and super rares and what have you. So obviously some super rares can go for like $3, but like Wolverine is still going for 60 to 70 something like a crazy amount of money. And that is the internal market that us Heroclix players have made for ourselves. So I don't think we can fault WizKids being pay-to-win because it's kind of like a luck thing. We all, you know, Steve buys the same brick that Bob buys, and they both get completely different stuff. And one of them is going to just have at the end of it, more money because he's going to get better pulls or worse pulls. It's the complete luck thing. I don't actually think it's WizKids doing this. Now, for some of those really cool felt maps, $25 is kind of a lot, uh, but it's also a pretty good deal, so I'm not going to argue too much about those. I think starter sets could go down in price. That's the only thing WizKids could fix, because I'm not going to tell them to make super rares and chases uh, not good just for us. So I think it's mostly player-driven but what we see is a lot in tournaments, chases and stuff are winning. Like we just talked about, you know, a few months ago that the Origins winning team was like $1,000 or whatever. Like that's a lot of money to have on the Heracus board. And a lot of people bring up all sorts of good points, and I really can't wait to read them. But in my opinion, I have seen teams, like I just saw a team today that got top eight at a tournament. No, it didn't win, got top eight. That's that's pretty, pretty darn good. And it was like mostly commons and uncommons. So I feel like... There's a lot we can do there, but the easiest route, like the simplest route for just people to use is to just go, oh, three Wolverines on a team is pretty hard to kill, which it is, and they just go with that, instead of really the lack of creativity might be the problem in competitive. Rant over okay. if you got any of that.
0: No, we absolutely did. Yeah, that all worked. Um, okay, So... <sighs> I, I wanted to try, as I was listening to this, to like play the devil's advocate to see if I could. And the thing is, I, I feel like I ended up agreeing with most of what you said. And I may, I may just piggyback on it because I think you're going to play devil's advocate for me. So I'm going to jump on what you said. And then as we are going through this, we can comment back and forth on, on what they are talking about and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of these people made some really good points. But there are people all over the board on both sides of this. And a lot of people made a lot of really good points. But here's my my opinion. I do think that there are a lot of really good pieces that are only not competitive because no one is agreeing with each other that they could be competitive. And there's not creativity, just like you said. And you get a lot of people that instead of coming up with their own team that might win and picking figures that may just be rares, or commons or uncommons they might actually win but they're just getting online and seeing what other people are winning with already and then they're going out and like artificially inflating the secondary market to the point where you get a 95 dollars wolverine call-in card so i think in the blame if there is blame to be made there it's going to go all around WizKids knows what they're do, what they doing when they're making pieces that are, on average, more powerful than some of their commons, uncommons, and rares. They know that. So they know that they're going to sell a little bit better. Generally speaking, uh, with the exception of a handful of, like, some of these super rare primes, they're not that good. And then They have to obviously make some super rares that are not, like, meta-competitive and stuff like that. We understand that. But there aren't that many commons that people are like, we definitely have to use this, or uncommons, or whatever, uh, versus the number of things that people are like, well, this is a super rare, so it's got to be good, so people are forcing it into meta teams, and then it actually is good. I don't know. So WizKids knows what they're doing, but at the same time, the people are the ones that are driving the secondary market. They're driving that price. It's not WizKids that is selling an ID card for $95. Keep that in mind. They're selling you bricks. They're not selling you an ID card specifically. So they're selling you bricks, cases, whatever, and then it's the people making the secondary market that are agreeing to pay. And you can follow these trends real quick. It's real easy in this game. Go to a website like Cool Stuff or Troll and Toad, and right when a set drops, look at the prices, and that's what the people that are working in these companies, they kind of gauge it. They're like, well, I think that this will probably go for this, I think. And then, about a week later, a lot of the prices fluctuate all kinds of over the place. Stuff will skyrocket in price. Stuff will plummet in prices. And that's based off of all of them actively keeping track of what is selling and what is not selling and then jacking up the price according to the basic laws of supply and demand. So, I don't know if there's a good answer for this. I think a lot of different blames can be put on a lot of different people. So, let's go through some of these and we will see where we end up maybe some of these people will change our minds as we go through this do you want to start off i know you got like a billion things on facebook i i do
1: i probably won't read all like the replies and everything just the original statements but we'll see what we can do so first comment is pj Bolin. i firmly believe that it isn't even if it is so he's saying it's not beta win even if it was the fault lies on neither side. People need to realize that a healthy secondary market is a sign of growth for the game. You should want pieces to be expensive because that means that the game won't be going anywhere soon. When the game hits a state where the best pieces are about two to five bucks, then you should consider it dead. He goes on to say, this game's meta is still the same or cheaper than any other major game's competitive things like Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, uh, DBS, and 40k, so Warhammer. All of it is pretty high cost to play at the highest level. It's the nature of hobby gaming.
0: Okay. Man, that, see, and that's even, right there is a thought that I hadn't even, in my head, pieced out, because it's like, I, that is a sign of a good game, or a gaming community right, that is yeah. thriving. So that's true. Um, we got Clicks Roadshow said, I've only been playing for about seven months, and when I first started, I fully believed it. But now, with more experience, I don't have to spend nearly as much money on building great teams. So that's kind of indirect opposition, and based off of what this guy or gal's opinion as far as what a good team possibly is. Your turn.
1: Okay, right. Michael Turner, he says, it used to not be. So I think it's a really interesting statement right away. But over the last few years, it has definitely morphed into he who has the most money wins. It looked like it was going to move away from that, but then it cycled back. The modern meta also sucks the fun out of the game. And I remember the days of Ultron and Enhanced Energy Explosion. So he's saying that now it's totally pay-to-win in its current state.
0: I can see where you would think that. I really can because of that $1,000 Nationals team. Right. Um, Citizen Collectible said, I don't compete at that level, so I can't say yes or no. But I think you could run a balanced tournament by having everyone build a 300-point team using pieces from two fast forces or starters. No one has a crazy expensive meta piece. Everyone uses the same easy-to-get easy, easy clicks. Um, I think that would be a solution, possible solution. However, it certainly would not drive up the sales for individual like bricks and stuff like that. Screw the secondary market. We're talking about the right. primary where you're buying the bricks and, and the cases. You're not going to want to go and spend $90 and stuff like that if you can't use it in a tournament. So that would kill cases and stuff like that. Like, yep. That would not be good, but it would be more fair. So it's a weird argument. You go ahead.
1: It is. Uh, Timothy Tracer, looking at the top eight of Worlds last year versus the top eight of Nationals this year, uh, the teams have doubled in cost To field. I don't know if that's 100% true. I haven't looked at the top eight of last year for Worlds, so uh, he might be right. Uh, There's a lot of discussion on this. They go through a lot of different... uh, what they costed at the time. So, like, Goblin King is obviously not worth as much as he was when he came out, because he was busted when he came out, and then he got nerfed into the ground. You know, same thing with the Hank Pym tank. You know that personally, because you uh, paid for that at kind of a ridiculous price, and now it's back to, like, 30 bucks or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, prices have changed since then.
0: So, fun fact, that's probably the worst I've ever been hit in a loss with <laughs>
1: Um
0: It is true, but it, it is kind of the nature of this game, so I can't be that salty about it. Right. Um, also, the amount of replies on all of this stuff, I just want to say, like, I don't know if we as as a podcast, have ever had this much involvement and back and forth and people arguing. I mean, if, if we were to rate any one of our ever community questions on, like, most controversial thing that we've ever brought up, this has got to be it. Absolutely. Uh, we have an answer from, let's see, this is going to be Vigilante Michael Miller said, it is pay to have a chance at winning. Statistically, you will need some, mm. if not all ID cards. The meta pieces are too strong to ignore. So my counter to that is this is still a dice game. So even if you sink $1,000 into a team, if the dice aren't working for you, it could still be not in your favor, but at the same time, it absolutely could be in your favor. So who knows?
1: So just going to go off a little tangent here. Since you mentioned dice, uh, one of the games I played, we played, we both played very similar teams, but I had a Blackbird, so it made my team like $80 more expensive than whatever his team was to run and I, you could say I had a clear advantage because I had spent more money on my team to accumulate everything, but at the end of the day, he rolls three crit hits in the game, and he never rolled like below a seven until maybe the last couple of turns, and it completely destroyed me. So the dice really matter, folks.
0: It uh, can. It, it really, it really can. can. Yeah. And I know I'm not the only one, That has done this, but I have entered into a tournament and made it into the top eight with a team that was under $20. I've done it. It's possible, but it's just not as likely. I've also made it into, I think it was like a top 16 before with a team that was like $35 or something like that. So like it happens. I'm not special. I know that. I know I'm not the only one that's done it. It's just I don't think there's very many people that are even trying to get into the tournament with a team that's only like twenty or thirty bucks. Right. Um, is it my it's,
1: turn? Uh, no, it's my yeah. I just went on a tangent. Uh, Clayton Williard. I would never say that it's pay to win, but the only thing that bothers me is the golden and silver age doesn't see quote enough play to keep some of the expensive pieces in a higher bracket as time goes on. Some stay around the same, but when compared to other games of collectible nature. I would hope that some pieces would gradually go up in price over time, but they don't.
0: Well, man, there's there's, also, there's all kinds of things that break down in that one, but I just don't see any of these pieces ever going up in price. Uh, just As long as I've been playing, pretty much things only ever go down in price uh, past modern. So the second things rotate out, it just plummets in price. And, yeah, you'll get, like, a figure, a perfect example is going to be uh, Balls of Fury. Balls of Fury, right when it came out, was a $20 figure. It was a super rare. You could buy it on CoolStuffInc.com for 20 bucks, And then within a month, maybe not even a month, that thing skyrocketed in price. And I don't know now what it's going for, but I have a pretty strong inkling that since it's rotated out, no one wants it anymore. So,
1: right, because you can only use it in Silver Age uh, tournaments, which so, yeah, probably yeah. aren't going to be, you know, you're not going to be going to those as often as you're going to any and all modern age tournaments, of course.
0: Um, so, as many times as I've done this, I'm going to do it one more time at least. Compare Magic to Heroclix. Magic Community has a very strong base of different formats that they will run. So you can go and you can play a vintage tournament, or you can go and you can play whatever the equivalent of modern is called. Now I can't remember. So that's a thing. You can go do that. And that's how cards retain value, because I mean, even if they cycle out of whatever modern is called, um, it goes right into vintage and or the other ones that it could type to. It's been a while, so if there's anybody out there that's like angry that I'm not getting the magic terminology correct. I apologize. Uh, But that's how you retain value in those cards, is they're still usable. Once stuff rotates out in Hero Clicks, there's there's no push from WizKids to run tournaments that are Silver Age or Golden Age, if you will. So, why would it retain value? I don't see any reason why it should. Because no one's going to want it. Um... I got an answer from our newest super fan, the Ruffian Little Plastic Superheroes. Most definitely, it's pay to win, but I don't see anything wrong with it. It's the same thing in professional sports. What I don't like is the competitive game usually revolves around two to three pieces and makes it boring to play and watch. Casual and sealed play is the most fun. So I see where he was going with this. I think he, he... was a little bit of hyperbole there. It's, it's a few more than two to three pieces, but I see where you were going with it. I can agree. Cause I mean, you and I were at origins. How many carnages did you see?
1: A lot. A How lot. How many serters did you
0: see? I mean, it was all a bunch of the same stuff. And is this a problem with the community where the community only can come up with the same four teams, five teams. There's a little variation in between there, but I mean, it's basically the same stuff over and over and over again. So, Whose fault is this? Uh, you go ahead.
1: All right, uh, Marcus Archer from Archer Gaming. Yes and no. I played in a WKO over the weekend, and the team that won we mapped out to be around sixteen hundred U.S. dollars when you added all the ID cards and stuff. However, second place was only around a hundred, and he just does the euro sign for this. So That's whatever the pound sign, pound sign, <laughs> whatever. Man. A hundred, and,
0: uh, a hundred pounds is probably like a hundred and. $40 or something
1: like that. $140. bucks. All right. And so I feel that you will always have the meta pieces, and they will always have high value. However, if you can't use them properly due to lack of skill, it doesn't mean that you'll win. But it does help. The fault doesn't lie with either WizKids or the players. It's common in all, like, blind bag-based games that have a secondary market, such as Magic or Pokemon. However, this pay-to-win, even if it extends to games such as uh, Malifax or 40K. Were uh, If you can afford the newest, most OP stuff every week, you have a higher chance of winning. So even going to an unrandom distribution wouldn't fix it. Then you would miss out on the fun things like sealed battle royales. And in summary, just don't change anything.
0: Hey, and that, that's a strong opinion, not to change anything. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll keep trucking. James Martin, and if you don't know, that's uh, Mr. Clicks Flicks, right?
1: James Peters. James
0: Peters. James Peters. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jamie. He probably doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. <laughs> James Martin said lesser figures can be good and even cheaper than expected, but great figures will always cost a ton till the next big thing knocks them down a peg. Sometimes even with just a perception of being a great figure. So that's an interesting note right there, the perception of being a great figure. Uh, if you take it seriously, almost almost all games are play to win. So yes, if it's mostly for an enjoyment and entertainment, then no, not really. A figure's value is tied to its viability, so better figs will be worth more naturally as the market decides what a figure is worth. So a question that this brings up is – is our perception screwed? Skewed. Well, it could be screwed, too. But is it skewed, our perception?
1: Interesting. That's a good point. I like it. Uh, Greg Miller. We as a community dictate worth. Do not blame kids. If you do not like the price, then don't buy it. If no one buys it, it will come down in price. That's, uh, okay.
0: Yeah, I cannot I mean, argue with that. Right. He just basically said supply-demand. Uh, exactly, so, that's true. So, yep, nailed it. Um, Space Monkey Jesse said, yeah, it's pay-to-win nowadays. In the past, you didn't need all these hard-to-get clicks to even compete. It used to be all about fun and tactics. Now it's just toss enough money, and your chances of getting top eight are really high.
1: I want to know what past he's talking about. Like yeah, what... I also want to know. <laughs> I mean, last uh, I checked, Super Skull was pretty hard to get a hold of because he was a chase, and there were eight different chases in that set, so... You know, yeah, good stuff's always been semi-hard to come by. Uh, Anthony Blay I, I hope that's what your name is uh, like any competitive game, it is up to the players. Uh, short and sweet.:
0: Yep, okay. Uh, we got it. I love this. This is almost in the same vein as Ligma, but uh, we that's have su- <laughs> Superfan, super villain, Seth Aaron, uh, whose Twitter name this week is Sugon BoFA. competition wise the teams you see win major events are a couple hundred at least casually not so much granted major games rely mostly on good roles and knowing your team but still he's he's playing the middle he's playing the middle ground there i see
1: is uh sarge uchia i've seen people win with the worst teams now I wish you would expand on that because that yeah, sounds would, very interesting. I would love to Just hear more the about the worst that. teams. All right.
0: Uh coach step. It is definitely a pay to win game, of course almost all collectible games are. The thing that sticks out to me is the fact that even the most expensive teams can be outrolled. This evens it out a bit. It is a rough to play. It is rough to play a team of carnage Groot, and mangog's every time. Now I okay, so a counter to that is if you know that everybody's playing, Carnage, Group, Meagogs, etc., whatever, if everybody is building the same team, then you can build a counter team sometimes. And it has not come up nearly as often in Heroclix as it has in, like, Magic. But in Magic, sometimes when a particular deck is getting way too prevalent, counter decks will come out, and they'll come out of nowhere and sweep tournaments because everyone thought oh, well, everybody's using this, so I have to use this, and no one thought about the counter, and then you'll have that one guy that thought about the counter that shows up, sweeps the tournament, because he built the deck specifically to beat that very like, insane deck that everyone was copying. Right. So.
1: Uh, Tyler Murin, Like any collectible game, there will always be a certain level of, he said play to win, I hope, I'm pretty sure he means pay to win, uh, but I think the real cost of winning is time. I think it really depends on how much time each player puts into the game. If you're not traveling and putting in multiple hours a week practicing, you're not going to be good as a player that does, you know, unless you just have incredible skill for the game. So you're saying natural talent versus hard-earned, like, just man hours of, you know, like, you can be like, I know mine is popular, but I also know he loses Invincible once he takes one damage I can deal penetrating damage to him for the rest of the game. You know, that's something, just, like, you look at it, right? Like, you can be like, oh, I know this, this, that, and the other thing. But unless you kind of know what's popular, know what your opponent's playing, once you've practiced so much, once your positioning is so incredible that it's just like there's no way anyone can get around it, then he's saying, like, skill... And I, I agree, skill is a huge part of this game. So, you know, yeah, that will always hold a pretty strong footing for most tournament settings
0: okay so if if we can pair skill to like experience um not necessarily all that important okay so an example of that would be who won nationals this year calder
1: <laughs> so a i don't know his exact age but he's like 12 or 13 years old uh, isaac arnold berkowitz
0: There are some of us out there that have been playing Heroclix longer than he has been alive, okay? That's a fact. And because that is true, you would think that this kid would not do that well. However, clearly, he won nationals, so he had something going for him. So experience, maybe not so much, which kind of puts a little bit of like a little tally mark in the how much money you put into your team – may dictate whether you win or not, and not so much actual skill. However, I don't doubt that he's actually very good at the game. But is the game now completely different, knowing that the rules have changed? And, like, people like me that have had to relearn a bunch of rules because the rules have changed over the years,
1: does that experience
0: mean nothing? You know what I mean? Like, I can know all of these old Heroclix rules, but clearly they're not implemented anymore, so it doesn't matter. Well,
1: Hypersonic Option 2 is not going to be coming up a lot these days.
0: Well, (laughs) true. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, he only needed to know what he needed to know to win, is is the fact. And a lot of that experience that someone like me has from all of the years of playing, it would not matter when you lose to someone who is, like, 13 or 12. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) I mean... I don't know, man. Uh, Nelson Ramos, three words, simple man. He said, without a doubt.
1: Without a <laughs> doubt. All right. Uh, Joe Greco, I'm a horrible player. Have been for years. Uh, thank you for just starting with that. I really appreciate it. Anyone who can just say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at the game. But I respect the honesty. I totally, yeah, I totally do. I still like playing because the game is fun. I've sometimes paid big money on stuff for meta events only to settle on playing something a fraction of the cost. Okay, so it,
0: it cut out right when you said that. So a um, fraction of the cost I previously spent. Continue.
1: More times than none, I've done well playing budget builds. It's how you play the game, uh, but I do enjoy who's people who spend a lot of money on clicks builds on the meta only to play poorly.
0: I have been in that situation as well. Some people are throwing a lot of money into the game, but they're not that good, and you can tell they're new to the game, for example, so their team is not going to – I mean, kind of knew that was coming. Right. So I can see that. Uh, Chris Kurtz said, to some degree, yes, it is. You still need a skill. You, You still need skill, but power figs sure help. If you take away the secondary market and the money figs, I think the game dies, though. Which I agree with wholeheartedly. There you go.
1: Brett Bowers. No, it's not pay to win. When the formula for winning build is discovered, the market price for those pieces naturally will go up. This is no different, you know, than any TCG on the market. The fact that dice rolls are an integral part of the game help mitigate pay to win.
0: So he's almost like bifurcating this into two entirely different things. One... Um, the skill using those particular care, those figures, uh, those were the good figures. They were going to win you the thing and then a direct correlation with that or causation. So here's the second part of, of that split is it also happened to skyrocket in price. So you were going to win with the stuff anyway, before, because it's good figures before it skyrocketed in price. And then it also skyrocketed in price. Right. So that is a completely different way of viewing this. Um, Drace said, if you're a meta player, absolutely. You legally can't use older sets to compete in big official tournaments. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I brought my Hulk set, and they wouldn't let me play. Uh, but, but honestly, the randomized blind box nature is by far the seedier aspect of Heroclix's business. Not, I don't know if I agree that it's
1: seedier. Huh. I, well, I, there you I go. Mean,
0: it's the same as buying magic packs or Yu-Gi-Oh! Or po- anything that's right. like blind bag, grab. I mean, you were either going to get lucky or you're not. Now, in the situation where like you're playing at Origins, for example, you sit down to do a battle royale and you pull a garbage pack, that's one thing. Now, that's offset by obviously passing the pack around and picking individual figures, but uh, what about us? Like, you and I and Kevin. At Origins, we right. had some some garbage pulls, and that's what we Pretty had. Bad. And there's nothing that we could do about that. And unfortunately, that's just how it rolls sometimes.
1: Very true. Uh, Peter Zachary is HeroClix' pay-to-win game. Not really the hardest part of HeroClix is it's a game of chance. Yeah, you can sway the odds with perplex and prob, but what health game you know doesn't have an element of pay-to-win? What healthy game, believe me? Uh, how much of our society is a pay-to-win situation? Some people wouldn't have jobs.
0: Wouldn't have jobs if they hadn't paid to know someone. Um, and and it, by the way, obviously you figured it out. I'm gonna come in if it starts cutting out for Calder. Um, man, he's getting meta with this. I gotcha. Society going about crazy. We. Li- <laughs> how many mobile games have microtransactions? Basically, all of them. Brave Frontier, Galaxy of Heroes, Contest of Champions. Any collectible-style game will, by design, have a pay-to-win element. A living game will not. You buy your one to two expansions, and you're good. Everyone has access to the same stuff. There was a popular Justice League team back around World's Finest that was three shifting focus soups, uh, and one Atomica, and four ATAs for 299 points. This team may have run you 30 to 35 dollars, and the hardest thing was getting Atomica. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I can see that as well, caller.
1: Yeah, no, I can totally agree. Especially during that era, it seemed that they were... The Shipping Code of Superman were really good, so I can see that being a very popular team.
0: Okay, so I am actually out of answers on Twitter, so we can just go back and forth on Facebook.
1: Sounds good. To hit you me. with Anthony Campbell. Wolverine was consistently $32, $35 before a Swarm won a big event. I know because I pulled two and sold the extra off to a friend. To say any collectible game is pay-to-win is just nonsense, though. There are plenty of people who have built and won with teams before the pieces got expensive. The meta will always create a higher demand for pieces with higher higher demand comes a higher price.
0: Okay. Uh, Carlton Kammer said, If your only goal is to be world champ, then it would cost you. Uh, It could cost you. If you want to have fun playing a game and occasionally place well, then that isn't very expensive at all. And I can agree with that. Uh, it's just maybe, maybe we're looking at this in, in too simplistic of terms. Like Maybe your variation of what you believe pay to win is. like it's not, it's not black and white. You either pay to win or you don't. No, maybe it's gray. And maybe what place is how much you kind of want to pay into it. So if you don't really pay that much into it, you can still probably place in the top eight somewhere. You just may not be one or two.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, Alan John Wilkinson. HeroClix isn't pay to win, as most of the problematic con-exclusives seem to get thrown to wolf lawyers sooner or later. HeroClix Online, OTOH, whatever
0: that is. I think he's talking a little bit about the watch list.
1: Specifically, yeah.
0: So I don't know. Uh, Jay Sly said, buy before figures are on winning teams. For instance, I paid 6 to $7 for Storm LE months ago. I just bought two Wolverine bounty cards at $12. I bought a Wolverine Super Rare on release night for 40 Buy low, sell high. Yes, sometimes you lose. Well, I would, I would say that if you can very much clearly just look at a figure and tell whether it's going to be good or not, then yeah, go for it if you are comfortable enough with your own uh opinions and you're that solid in, in your determination to buy a bunch of stuff and uh maybe you'll get lucky, maybe you won't, but like I said, some of these figures here's a good point. Uh I bought I bought the Le- the Ant-Man box and that was only $50, I think, when I bought it. And then it got nerfed into the ground, so it didn't really matter. Right. Uh, right. He, I can see it. I'm sorry. He continued, also, you don't have to play Constructed, and more formats can come around. Yeah, it can come around, man. That doesn't mean they are going to come around. Uh, I would love to see a Fast Forces or Starters figure-only uh, format or Uncommon Rarity or lower format. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that would be a fantastic idea, but I don't think WizKids will ever actually implement it.
1: Right, and I've actually played in different tournaments where obviously it's not an official WizKids tournament, but I've played like ROCs and stuff where it was like you just have to use common figures. That was a really good one with the uh, Hero International Exchange online. That was a super fun tournament. And that, even then, like once you start narrowing the scope of what you can use, you see what becomes meta under new, not guidelines, but you know, under new circumstances. And that's when creativity really flows with people once you take out you know, whatever, Balls of Fury, all that stuff. You can really see people, like, be way more creative once the obvious stuff is gone, and that's really cool. Uh, Chance McCall. This is kind of subjective on what level you're talking about. I'd say in 90% of small to medium shops, it's no, because generally they run a sealed-themed team game, Silver Age, Golden Age, etc. In the small percentage of the WKO and ROC scene, I know he's going to say small percentage, but that is what is going to be talked about more times than not. Sorry to interrupt you, Chance. I'm going to go back to it. I'd say yes, and I feel like it could easily be fixed. ID cards, I think, are detriments to competitive entry points because the best figure and card are both expensive. Generally, uh, if I worked for WizKids, the highest rarity I'd make ID cards and corresponding figures would be rare just for disappointment. Distribution, so let's kind of talk about the Wolverine ID card really quick. All of the headmaster ID cards are pretty much They all say they're rare. They're all pretty much super Rares or chases at this point because in a brick where it's a prime or something you would get a faculty ID card now the Wolverine ID card because it is good because it has a good call in the relatively same rarity as let's say the Emma Frost or Magneto whatever ID card Wolverine ID card is going for upwards of like 100, you know, 90 bucks. Emma Frost and Magneto are going for like 25 to 30. That's because his call-in inspiration is stupid amazing, and the call-in figure, the one we all assume to use, since you're not going to be using the Deadpool common one, is flurry, and it's just, it's good. You know, two attacks is better than one attack for his stats, and he's got a stock click, so... Yeah, I totally agree. Making something better, just so much better than everything else, Mm. even if it is the same rarity, uh, does change a lot.
0: Maybe what he means is just uh, put more of the ID cards in bricks, you know? Oh, yeah. Because it can't possibly cost that much to manufacture a small piece of plastic uh, like that. Do you Um, think it costs more to
1: make a Heroclix figure or an ID card? I'd say it's got to be more for the Heroclix figure.
0: Oh, it is guaranteed to be more for the Heroclix figure. That is why uh, I believe until I find out differently, and if anybody out there in podcast lands finds out differently, please let me know so I can correct myself. But the last time I heard, it can cost up to $10,000 per mold for an individual figure to get it made. So. $10,000 versus just slapping a print on top of a little piece of credit card plastic. Right. So there's no way that these ID cards cost that much money to manufacture. They are intentionally keeping them from being as ubiquitous as they are so that they can have a higher cost of entry for, like, bricks and stuff like that. Because if you haven't noticed, a lot of the stuff in past sets – you, you didn't want to spend, once you got past the initial new hotness feeling, which comes out in every click set, um, the brick prices drop pretty dramatically to the point where people don't even want them, to the point where you will go into like, comic book shops and they will still have bricks of like the Hulk and Captain America sitting on their shelves waiting for people to buy them, but no one will ever buy them. But these cards that are inside of these bricks are maintaining costs at least longer, I would suspect, than in just just figures, right? So you, like, you walk into a, a shop, and you're like, I might pull a Wolverine ID out of this brick, even if I don't want any of the pieces. Bam. If I pull that, that's 90 of my 100-and-something dollars I just spent. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, all right. James Justice. It is a collectible game, therefore it is pay to win to a point. That's all he said.
1: I see where he's coming from, and I get it, but it's very simplistic for a somewhat complicated. (laughs) But yeah, that's all right. Uh, Loyal Miller, you have to pay to play strictly because you have to buy boosters. Okay, chaotic, good.
0: Thank you. Uh, hey, at least we got a laugh out of it. This has been a very serious topic, yeah. right? this is This is the kind of thing where people could legitimately, just based off of, like, business practices and things like that and supply to – people could write thesis papers on what we are talking about right now, that is okay?
1: True. That's right. So
0: if you don't have a chance to get modern-age clicks, but I have probably bought 125 to $145 on secondary market, and rough guess, uh, I would say I have bought – 1000 to 1300 in the last three years on boosters and bricks. So even though that is not a lot of money now, even if you never buy a – holy – man, you need – come on, punctuation, come on. Um, first of all, if you were spending 1000 to $1,300 in the last three years on boosters and bricks, man, you know you'd save a lot of money if you just buy individual stuff. Um, that is not a lot – It is money now even if you never buy an item used and just do new pulls. And the more you buy, the more likely you are to get better pieces. So, yes, it is pay-to-play, and it can be if you make it pay to win. But no matter how much you pay, you don't guarantee a win. All right, I don't even know a lot of what just went on there, but yeah, I agree. You you are not guaranteed to win.
1: Yeah, you're not guaranteed to win no matter how much you pay in order to run that team. I can agree with that. Okay.
0: (laughs) The last one that we got is Eric Caves, and he was on just a couple episodes ago, so uh, go back and listen to that. This game is extremely pay-to-win in large part due to the great quantity of figures that have a disproportionately high effect on the game for their costs. With your Colossal Retaliators, Special Trains, Special Objects, ID cards, and most of these give abilities that are way too good for what they are. I get the impression these are deliberately low-costed because WizKids wants them to fit within a certain budget for competitive teams, which, let's stop right there. He's saying that he thinks WizKids is actually working to make it lower cost? I, I don't think anyone else said that at all. wants them to fit within a certain budget for competitive teams instead of being costed based on how much impact they can have on the game. Because there are so many point-cheap extra elements you can bring to the game, often quite rare, the price to have a competitive team is stupidly high. I recognize it might still be less than CCGs, but it is more than it should be. I fully accept that some figures will rise to the top. That's the nature of a competitive collectible game. It needs, it need not be exacerbated by an abundance of point-cheap, quote, extras. That said, I can can kind of appreciate WizKids giving the middle finger to pros like these super friends. Uh, They don't provide much benefit at all, but because there's strictly no reason not to have as many as you can fit, all the pros are motivated to buy all these chase figures. They'll get a minor benefit, but at zero point cost, minor's better than none. That is some inefficient
1: amount. So he's kind of has a problem with all these, like, quote-unquote extra elements, so kids basically just made an entire chase theme of extra elements. And, yeah, this is really weird, but yeah, so he says it's really inefficient money to spend on all of these chases. Now, of course, it's obviously your choice, but kids did make a free-to-play, in a way, a free-to-play game element that can cost a lot of real-world dollars. So a 0.5 something. You can play on every single team that costs actual real-world money. And I can kind of see why he doesn't like this. It would actually be a lot better on maybe a common piece. That way it's basically borderline free to get and then free to play, which would be really awesome. I can see why he thinks that these new chases are some inefficient use of your money. Oh
0: yeah, no, it it could be, but if you are playing on a very competitive level, you want Every single possibility of getting the edge on somebody that you possibly can So that being said, I did make the prediction that these were going to pop up on a lot of competitive teams. I don't know if we've had the opportunity to see that come to fruition or not yet. I'm still waiting. But my guess is still they are going to pop up all over the place. So... Some of them are better than others. We already knew that. And some of the prices on these have already dropped really low. I think you can get, like, a Chase Robin for, like, 35 bucks or something like that. That's that's pretty cheap. Yeah. But if you have a sideboard of, like, nine... How, how many pieces can you fit on a sideboard now?
1: Uh, it is nine in the 300-point Modern Age competitive okay. so game. so... It's three for every 100 points. Three for every 100
0: points, nine sitting on the side... Um, obviously, you're probably going to have a couple of pieces. Every sideboard is going to have a couple of pieces with the ID cards, right? Two, three, whatever, four, sometimes some somewhere around that, right? So if you're sitting only at four of your nine, right, you want to fill the rest out with five additional possibilities to have an edge up. Even if you only – if you if one of them was robbing. that's 35 right there, and then multiply that by an additional four – Whatever, the rest of them are cost. You know right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. So look for sideboards to be very expensive in the future because of these for people that are just filling them in because there's zero cost. And I honestly, I think this is, if I'm remembering correctly, this is unprecedented. There's never been a point in HeroClix history that I remember where you were getting free stuff on the side on your sideboard. It's just absolutely free. Right right so there may be an an exception to that out there if you can think of it go ahead and tweet in message in on facebook let me know that i was wrong i appreciate it we always at you know bring in your guys's comments and concerns and critiques we 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 love that we love hearing that from you guys as well as uh all of your wonderful compliments that we get from you guys so that's fun but uh, that is the last answer that we got for this massive question it's a very large question so I do want to kick this back to you, Calder. Reading all of this, did this change your mind? Anything? Was there stuff that stuck out that you want to take forward now?
1: It's opened my eyes to a lot of different opinions and aspects uh, of, you know, the pay-to-win and the whiz kids and Erequist and everything. But I would say more or less my opinion hasn't changed all that much.
0: I can agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I'm going to – pretty much say yeah i'm stuck on where i was but there were some really good points to the contrary throughout those answers
1: so, oh really good anybody who like everybody who gave an answer just keep yourself a pat on the back because these were also, all fun to read. yeah That'd not only easy.
0: were they fun to read but also it's there's not a lot of critical thinking that actually goes on on this podcast and i would actually probably say there's not a lot that goes on in the game of hero clicks their strategy Okay, I want to put that out there. There is strategy and you think about the strategy as you're playing games and things like that. But as far as like real meta level critical thinking about the game as a whole, there's not a lot of it. At least I have not experienced a lot of it. Maybe I'm dumb, but but, but (laughs) I've not experienced a lot of it over the years of playing this game. So it was nice. I feel like we needed to touch base on this eventually. Uh, so I, I'm glad. Yep. I don't know. Maybe it changed some of your guys' opinions out there in podcast land. Um, if you were absolutely not wanting to get into any kind of lecture or anything tonight, we we apologize on that, on that one. <laughs> uh, we will certainly try to turn things around and make it a little bit more entertaining for you guys on the next community question. A lot more simplistic. So, it, trying, trying to even the playing field a little bit, but It is something that needed to be asked. Uh, I don't know if if there's anybody out there that's going to change how they play the game based off of this conversation. Uh, But that's what it is, is a conversation not just between Calder and myself and the people that answered. But if you are listening to this for the first time, you didn't get the chance to jump onto Twitter and Facebook, onto the community question. You do have uh, an opinion now that you want to get out there. Just go ahead and throw it on to the end of this on Facebook or on Twitter, and we'll keep this conversation going as long as it keeps going, because I think, like I said, it's just a question that needed to be asked eventually. It's one of those like, it's painful, but it's got to be there somewhere. Okay, I agree. let's let's turn things around. Let's turn things around. <laughs> this is basically the end of the episode, anyway. Um, but right. is there anything on a lighter note you just want to talk about before we we sign off?
1: Uh, I
0: got
1: a map in the mail. So I'm officially the Kentucky States champion. I uh, really want to thank Tyler Spies for selling me his States map. I thought you were going to say he gave
0: that to you, not sold that to you. And I was Oh, like, no,
1: no, no. Why do,
0: why do people send you stuff all the time? <laughs> I'll never get anything.
1: Twice is not oh, all fine. the
0: time. I, that's I'm just griping. Uh,
1: I'm
0: a little salty. Uh, that's okay. You, you know what? You know what actually would put me in a really good mood? What's that? Oh my God! Ah! Listen to that horn! Oh, I love it. All right. I don't think it's gonna get any better for me tonight than that right there. Um, we that's the best we, to end. we do not have any birthdays. This week. So if you have somebody in your life you want to give a shout out to on the podcast or where it's your birthday coming up, tell us whose birthday it is, when the birthday is. We'll give you an official Dial H for Hero Clicks. Happy Arabian birthday. Um, I think, yeah, that, that may be all I got other than make sure that you jump onto Twitter and that's going to be Dial H for Hero Clicks. That is the number four on Facebook. Just search Dial H for Hero Clicks. Or you can send us an email at dialhforheroclicks at gmail.com. Your hopes, your dreams, your concerns, uh, anything. Just uh, We like when you guys are part of the community. So keep, keep giving us awesome. all the stuff that you give us. We really, really like it when you are there, and we will keep being there for you. So that's all I got.
1: Absolutely. Then I will read us out. As a reminder, Dial H for Hero Clicks is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Including all the latest Hero Clicks, singles and sealed products, check them out at coolstuffinc.com. Happy trails. My, 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 my stuff.